0: Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science series. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 351. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Inside Science and Technology series, we are joined today by author, food historian, scientist, and farmer, Dr. Robin Metcalfe. Dr. Metcalf will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates Monday, May 13th, 2019, and her presentation is entitled, The Global Grocery Store, How Your Food Gets From Farm to Table. What happens between the farm and the kitchen? Why are all avocados from Mexico? Why does a restaurant in Maine order lamb from New Zealand? Dr. Robin Metcalf, food historian and food futurist, explores an often overlooked aspect of the global food system, how food moves from producer to consumer. Dr. Metcalf finds that the food supply chain is adapting to our increasingly complex demands for both food personalization and convenience, but she says it won't be an easy ride.
1: The supply chain needs to adapt rapidly and without warning. Who would know that, you know, lab-made meat would have a massive IPO on the stock market suddenly become appearing on uh, the menus of fast food chains. So the supply chain behind all of these consumer movements has to adapt quickly and efficiently. So it's changing. Thankfully, we have enough new technology to make those changes a little easier. But because it's happening so quickly, we don't even know the full impact of some of those changes.
0: That, of course, is our guest today, best-selling author, farmer, food futurist, Dr. Robin Metcalf. Dr. Metcalf will be presenting from her new book, food routes, growing bananas in Iceland, and other tales from the logistics of eating. And you can see Dr. Metcalf at the Smithsonian Associates Program presenting the Global Grocery Store, how your food gets from farm to table. Please join me in welcoming today to the Not Old Better show via internet phone, author, scientist, educator, farmer, Dr. Robin Metcalf. Dr. Robin Metcalf, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you.
0: It is great to talk to you about an important subject, one that we all are familiar with, but maybe not to the level of perhaps what we should be. But first, tell us a little bit about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about it because um, we have uh, enough time to really deep, uh, deeply dig into the, the the heart of the book and its subject. Um and, uh, you know, the, it's really about um, not only our food system, but a part of it that few people know much about, and it's the inner workings of our supply chain, how food moves around the world. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about how that works, why it's important for us to know about it, and how it's changing, and so, and also why should we care, you know, sort of what should we do about even knowing more about it, so, and the extra thing that's that I'm looking forward to is I'm going to talk a little bit about how this is leading to some new research. So, um, lots to discuss on Monday.
0: Yeah, a lot to discuss. So, let's dive in a little bit and tell us what we should know about what happens between the farm and the kitchen from from maybe food in terms of producer to consumer.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting space. You know, we know a lot, or we know a lot more about uh, the farmers, they're getting a lot more press and visibility. Um, who's, who's growing our food, you know, people want to know where it comes from, like tracks back to that farmer. And also, uh, you know, thanks to food channel and many, many other, um, mm-hmm. media platforms, we know a lot more about, you know, what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat and, and uh, how to make food in our own kitchen. But there's a whole space in between, that we really don't know much about, and it's it's the inner workings of our industrial supply chain. It's not necessarily all of the artisan people in between, but people who make and deliver most of the food, like over ninety percent. And um, it's really complicated. And um, in the uh, presentation on Monday, I will introduce this subject by talking about a um, mere pizza, because. Mm-hmm. It seems like a pizza should be really simple, but it reveals when you start talking about it. Um, I mean, food travels thousands of miles and through um, sometimes hundreds of pairs of hands um, as it comes to your plate. Even the simplest thing, uh, even from your local farmer, uh, unless the farmer shows up on your doorstep, Mm -hmm. chances are it's gone through some sort of transformation um, on its way to you. Uh, so it's, it's, um, it's fascinating because people don't know much about it. People don't want to know so much about how the quote sausage is made, (laughs) but they, um, but, but this book really introduces the idea that we should know about it because, uh, you know, we have a chance to really decide what we want in the future and knowing more about what's happening now will help us make smart decisions.
0: Well, you mentioned the food supply chain. So let me ask you with all of the new tastes that are, uh, surrounding us that are appearing these days, will the process of changing the supply chain to kind of meet some of these new consumer tastes, will it, will it be an easy one or a difficult one to make?
1: It's going to be a really tricky one because I think we're entering new territory where um, people are no longer satisfied with one size fits all. They want specialized diets. They they have a million allergies now. You know, I mean, you know the 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 the, the supply chain needs to adapt rapidly and um, sort of uh, without warning. You know, who knows that who would know that basically lab you know, lab-made meat would, you know, have a massive IPO on the stock market and suddenly become sort of appearing uh, on uh, in the menus of fast food chains. So the supply chain behind all of these consumer movements has to adapt quickly and um, efficiently. So um, it, it's it's changing. Uh, thankfully, we have enough new technology to make those changes um a little easier but because it's happening so quickly we don't even know the full impact of some of those changes so difficult and unknown in some in some cases
0: Yeah, I think this is just a fascinating subject, one that we definitely need to know more about. We're speaking today with Dr. Robin Metcalf, author of the new book entitled Food Routes, Growing Bananas in Iceland, and Other Tales from the Logistics of Eating. Dr. Metcalf will be at the Smithsonian Associates Program Monday, May 13th. The title of her presentation is The Global Grocery Store, How Your Food Gets from farm to table. Well, Dr. McCaff, again, it, it's just a pleasure to speak with you about this subject. And you refer to some of the technology around the, the supply chain and perhaps what's going on with, with regard to just food preparation. I wonder, will these innovations, these technology innovations, will they provide better food to more people? And will people then accept the innovations. And one thing I read about the book is that you talk a little bit about even robots tending to certain tasks, maybe in greenhouses. So, so tell us a little bit about the technology innovations.
1: Yeah, there's, there's uh, some several key things um, happening. Uh, we've heard about or some people who are at least uh, nerds have heard about blockchain <laughs> um, and, um, you know, artificial intelligence. Certainly most people have heard about the Internet. And, you know, I talk about in the book, the Internet of food connecting all aspects of our, our food system. There's technology out there that's tracking and tracing our food so we can be better at assuring food safety and also answer those questions about where our food comes from. Uh, but you know whether or not consumers uh, will accept all the technology um, is still questionable. I think what's so fascinating about the arrival of technology in our in our food system is that it's really different than technology and arriving, let's say in our car manufacturing system or you know in our transportation system because, Food to us is really a personal consideration. Uh, it we do a lot of things with food that is that it, you know that isn't rational. I mean, we all eat food. I think we all eat food <laughs> that is not good for us at various times. So even if technology presents, shall we say, the optimum diet or gets it to you just on time or just you know, we humans because we have this complex relationship with food may not take the bait, may not actually utilize the full optimization uh, that technology can offer. So I think it's very complicated because it is food and it is personal, it's emotional, it's all those things tied together that is really the antithesis of technology and you know what it's intended to do. And I think that there's also some other issues having to do with just removing humans from our food experience. Um, if you've ever seen some of those uh, clips which you can download from say, YouTube about robots uh, you know being your server or drones delivering your pizza, um, I wonder whether there's a tipping point between high efficiency and convenience um, and just basically a turn off. In other words, you know it just it, 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 it removed the human so much that it damages that fragile and complex relationship with our food. Not to mention that uh, there are um, millions of people who are employed in the food system and they are on the front line of all of this automation. And while there's uh, this sort of conversation out there about how the workforce in general will be impacted by technology – Uh, There's a large group of people working in the food system that um, are in process related jobs, and those are the first to go. So whether they're all going to become coders, probably unlikely. Some will, but I'm not sure we've really planned forward about what that. Uh, change will look like uh, when, you know, process is fully automated.
0: These are some of the logistics that you're referring to in your title of your new book, Food Routes, Growing Bananas in Iceland and Other Tales from the Logistics of Eating, right? Right. Yep. The book is getting rave reviews. And uh, in my research of you and and the book, I found this term food desert, um, among many other things that you write about. I wonder if you'd explain to us what a food desert is and why that's a problem.
1: Well, this has been, this idea, this concept of having a desert for food has been around for a while, and it's caused various um, debates about what to do with populations that don't have access to natural ingredients or, or healthy ingredients. Um, and there's, uh, you know, the government's gotten involved and tried to define, you know, how Far someone should drive or you know take public transport in order to get fresh produce, for example. Um, there's been a number of approaches to trying to um, narrow or lessen that distance. Uh, they've tried education. Let's just educate these people. They'll get in their car and drive you know to somewhere to people wanting to have people grow food and, at home. So the educational efforts have been um, not as successful as imagined, mostly because it's trying to, you know, create behavior change, which is always a difficult thing. Um, and But with, with increasing advances of technology um, and also um, just basically, um, you know, food companies realizing that there's a problem that needs a solution, uh, we see ways in which, um, you know, with food delivery, with um, mobile markets, um, you know, those things have tried to bring, you know, attempted to bring food closer in. And I think we shouldn't underestimate that there are, you know, like Walmart, uh, uh, you know, the dollar stores, they've all recognized that there's a market needed. Now they're filling their aisles with uh, fresh produce. So they're, they're meeting people where they're already shopping. So I think that the it's solvable and we're seeing it both with just uh, adapting to um, some of these uh, things that are missing in, in these landscapes that are really rural per se, but also just using technology to, to narrow that distance. Um, again, moving food uh, is now, and food production is easier than ever before. There's, there's um, uh, some projects that are, you know, for example, freight farms, that is, they're basically growing food in, um, shipping containers. Uh, and you can just take one of those and move it right in the middle of a food desert and you have fresh produce. So, so there's a transformation going on here. And I think, um, you know, I think the outlook is, is, is pretty good. Take time, but you know, cause it's consumer behavior plus technology. It takes both.
0: Dr. Robin Metcalf, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it, it sounds like it will take time, but you sound optimistic. So we're going to look forward to seeing you uh, Monday. Of course, you've written the new book, Food Routes, Growing Bananas in Iceland, and Other Tales from the Logistics of Eating. The book will be available for sale and signing by Dr. Metcalf. So Dr. Metcalf, we're looking forward to seeing you and hearing more from you about this uh, important subject, but thanks for your time. Thanks for your generous time today.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks to Dr. Robin Metcalf, who will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates Program presenting The Global Grocery Store, How Your Food Gets from Farm to Table, May thirteenth, two 2019 at the Ripley Center in Washington, D.C. Dr. Metcalf's new book, Food Routes, Growing Bananas in Iceland, and Other Tales from the Logistics of Eating, is available for sale and signing. More details will be available on our website. Thanks, as always, to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. And thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Remember, talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.